This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast. Welcome to the Planet Microcap Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. Thank you all so much for the support and for tuning in. Do me a quick favor. If you like what you hear, Planet Microcap, please take two seconds and give us five stars on Spotify or Apple. This helps with the search engine so that more folks can also discover and engage with all things microcap stocks. And if you'd like to get everything, all of our content that we do here at Planet Microcap, please subscribe to our Substack. It's microcapnewsletter.substack.com. That's where you'll be notified about everything that we have going on in terms of content, as well as our upcoming events. Speaking of which, the Planet Microcap Showcase Vegas happening April 30th through May 2nd, 2024 at the Paris Hotel and Casino. We just announced our first keynote and speaker, Andrew Walker, host of the Yet Another Value podcast, will be back to host a keynote Q&A with legendary small microcap investor, Bob Rabati. This is a conversation you will want to see in person. Our event brings together the best investors and thought leaders in microcap, quality microcap investing opportunities, and above all else, the most fun and highest return on your time that you could ask for. There's more announcements to come, but registration is open. If you'd like to register to participate, please visit planetmicrocapshowcase.com. See you in Vegas. Now, my guest on the show today is Caitlin Cook, better known as at Bounce on Twitter X and head of marketing and communications at Hero Network. This is a special edition pod because we had some breaking news. On Wednesday, January 10, 2024, the SEC approved the listing and trading of a number of spot Bitcoin exchange-traded product shares. Caitlin is my go-to person for all things crypto, whose sole focus is educating the masses about crypto. From when we worked on her podcast together, the Dead Kate Bounce Experience, almost every guest made the same point that one way to bridge the gap between early crypto adopters and traditional finance or TradFi would be when Bitcoin ETFs were approved by the SEC. Well, the day has come. Despite the very appropriate Kryptonian, and that's Kryptonian with the C, social media blunder on January 9th, we now have Bitcoin ETFs. And Caitlin and I break it all down. So thank you again for tuning into the Planet Microcap podcast. And please enjoy my interview with Caitlin Cook. Caitlin, what's up, dude? How you doing, man? It's, it's been know. a while. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're chilling. It's the new year. Happy New Year. We can still say that, right? It's January 11th. We're recording this. We can still, yeah. we're still good. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're still in the clear on that for sure. But it's been a crazy year so far. And it feels like definitely more than 11 days. For sure. I mean, look, the main, uh, obviously it's been a while. So I always love catching up with you. It's always a good time. You know, we're, you know, we're OG podcast homies from back in the day. You know, you're my go-to crypto person on all things happening and, Bit a bit of news, um, because and, and I'll tell you to be honest, I it, it, you know amongst public markets and what we do here, the most exposure I had to any kind of crypto in 2022 was just really reading "Going Infinite" by Michael Lewis, and um, that was kind of it. So to see this, I had no idea that even this week this was happening. So tell us the news: the Bitcoin ETF approval, SEC got hacked yesterday. Now it's not. It's actually happening. So, what's going on? How, what the, approval? How this all come come to come to to play? 
Well, it started a long time ago. I think the first Bitcoin ETF approval ever or approval application ever was in 2013 by the Winklevoss twins of Gemini. I submitted the first application again, 2013. 2024. Uh, so finally got, I believe, 11 approvals went through yesterday uh, total from from uh, different asset managers to have a Bitcoin spot Bitcoin ETF approved. Um, and really the whole saga on that, I mean, it's just been a back and forth with regulators for a long time with all of these applicants to, you know, you know, submit their applications, get feedback, ap- apply all of the changes like a please fix, if you will on these applications time and time again, I think it eventually backed, you know, the SEC and those who were opposing it into a corner when all of these different, you know, applicants had kind of been going back and forth for this long, cooperating and making changes and whatnot and just bearing with them and really not backing down. So um, as of end of day yesterday or market close for traditional markets yesterday, um, those applications got approved by the SEC. Apparently, I just learned, uh, like literally right before this recording, the SEC actually did put it up to a vote and it was three to two i believe gary gensler voting to approve um i mean at this point not entirely surprised again backed into a corner i think at some point of how many times you can go back and forth and and nitpick all the reasons of why this shouldn't happen so um long road to get there but finally got pushed through today was the first day of trading as well which was super interesting and we can talk about but um 11 years later finally getting past the finish line on this. And to make things true crypto fashion, for anyone who didn't see it, um, the applications were slated to you know, be finally approved this week. Um, obviously could have still been denied, I suppose. But again, kind of reached like a boiling up point. Most people were expecting it to get approved at some point this week. And yesterday, the day, b- day before, um, I think two days ago, um, the SEC Twitter account actually got hacked. Apparently, they didn't have 2FA on their account, which is crazy uh, for a government organization Twitter account. Uh, And they got hacked. And a post went out from that Twitter account and was up for at least 10 minutes, I think, uh, that stated all of these ETF approvals or ETF applications had been approved. And people took that as being legitimate and markets did what they did off of that news, which was super interesting considering it wasn't even real. Uh, and then Gary Gensler came out with a tweet saying that the SEC's account had been compromised and that the, the applications had not been approved. So a lot of a roller coaster to a week that we already thought was going to be crazy ended up um, getting approved at the end of day yesterday, again, like within 24 hours of that breach happening. Um, so thankfully that didn't cause any hiccups with the approval process. Um, just a very bad look for the SEC and very on brand for crypto. You just have to this point because it's been such a drawn out process anyways. And then of course this happens right when we get to the pinnacle of things. My favorite, I was telling you this offline, like my, my one friend that's still in crypto, like that, like within seconds, just like, yeah, there we go. And then I had to, you know, let him down nicely and say, you know. It's a hack, but hey, he was proven right. It happened, you know. So, I mean, for those that haven't been following crypto as closely as you have, obviously, and you know, I was previously to 2022. Um, why is this a big deal? You know, what? Why is this such a big deal for the crypto industry? In 30 seconds or less? No, I'm just kidding. Just how, why is this a big deal? Well, for context on where I'm coming from with it too, just for anyone listening, prior to working in crypto, my first job out of college 
was selling ETFs to financial advisors, institutional allocators, the whole shebang. So this has been kind of deja vu for me of everyone, you know, finally getting out of traditional finance and moving into crypto. And now everyone in crypto talking about ETFs in traditional finance, which is the one space I worked in before this. So full circle moment. (laughs) Yeah, it's surreal. Two worlds colliding. This has been a good week for me on Twitter uh, just to be talking about these things. But um, I mean, this is a big deal for a lot of reasons. One, I guess just talking on a little bit of history here. So if I ramble too much, stop me. But um, a lot of the reasons for or at least spoken reasons from the SEC on why a Bitcoin spot uh, spot Bitcoin ETF was not approved in the past were kind of around markets of scale and questions around whether the Bitcoin market was, you know, large enough with enough participants in it to not be easily manipulated and not wanting to, you know, further that by having or, you know, they claimed consumer protections around this for not wanting to have an easily manipulated, uh, easily manipulated market kind of in ETF form as well, which kind of opens the floodgates for all different types of investors and a much simpler sort of package than self-custodying your crypto or going on a decentralized or centralized exchange, having to manage it yourself. ETFs are a lot cleaner. A lot of the reason I'm not you know, giving that approval, at least what was stated, was um, thinking that these markets could be easily manipulated, which is very funny. We've seen Bitcoin spot ETF uh, be approved in other countries around the world outside of the U.S., haven't seemed to have any big issues there in the past. And ironically, after those statements, um, what do you know was approved prior to a spot ETF was a Bitcoin futures ETF. So stay off the soapbox, but of talking around consumer protections of that being your claim, uh, Bitcoin futures and putting that into an ETF packaging is definitely a much more uh, difficult, you know, ball of yarn to untangle for a lot of people. There's, you know, potential issues with Contango. There's a lot more ins and outs of how futures price can deviate from spot price and, and all those sorts of things. So lots of complexities that are added there and very ironic that that was approved in ETF form prior to a spot ETF as spots much more uh, plain and simple for people to understand. Um, and definitely much more aligned with the actual prices you see of Bitcoin and other cryptos um, in real time. So end of rant there. Uh, fast forward to 2024. Again, yesterday have, I believe, 11 ETF uh, applications approved by different asset managers. And really, if you're thinking about um, in terms of scalability and why this is such big news. So previously, I mean, Bitcoin and crypto in general was really kind of this like separate silo from the traditional markets. And whether there were, you know, some investment managers or asset managers that tried to dabble in this, it was really difficult for a lot of money managers, especially those that are very highly regulated to get exposure to crypto or Bitcoin directly in a way that is simple and very clearly regulated and didn't um, and you didn't necessarily need to own the bitcoin correct yeah um and they're especially think about so i used to work with a lot of financial advisors and even if they were interested in investing in bitcoin or their clients wanted them to one in terms of like internal compliance and and then sec regulation being you know not necessarily the most clear cut in terms of how to handle that add to that all of the questions that come up around custodying those assets. Is the advisor responsible? Is the client responsible? How do you make sure those assets are safe? Are you keeping them in a centralized exchange? Are you going and wandering into more of the decentralized land uh, in the US that is pretty much a big no-no in a lot of ways? So lots of question marks there. Um, Obviously, there are ways to get indirect exposure. Coinbase is a publicly traded company is like one example. But um, 
the Bitcoin ETFs or the spot ETF approvals really open the floodgates and check a lot of boxes and questions that people had um, around how can I get exposure in a clean way that's in a product wrapper that very cleanly fits into my business. And that's talking more about institutional money managers uh, and not necessarily retail, but even thinking about from a retail perspective, ETFs are very widely understood um, and they are more year over year are being what is most commonly purchased by all different types of investors. And that is a trend that has been incredibly prevalent for way over a decade now, right? It just makes sense for a lot of long-term investors to buy something that is cheap, to buy something that is traditionally a basket of goods, um, and to be able to set that and forget it and know that it's being managed by, you know, a very large, reputable institution and regulatorily, like, very much green-lighted. Um, that being said, that is why this is such a big breakthrough. Um, Bitcoin was definitely, like, a very, you know, kind of taboo to topic and potentially pretty much red flags all over the place for a lot of people managing their money. And it just makes it cleaner for people who don't want to manage these assets on their own. Um which is most of the population. Like I work in crypto and I can confidently say that most people outside of our little silo, which is again, little versus the rest of the world, most people don't want to deal with self-custody. The process for purchasing um, crypto, managing it, moving it is very, very overwhelming and scares a lot of people. This is a much easier fix. And we've seen that even in just the first day of trading. I believe there was... Just over six and a half billion dollars worth of total volume, half of that being um, from like GBTC, which was converted into an ETF. Um, so some of those flows were from that. But again, that still leaves over like two billion dollars in trading volume on the first day. One point two billion of that trading volume was within the first 30 minutes of trading today. Wow. So that's just day one. And to end my ranting, uh that's no, no, I, the beginning I, I, of the flows, right? Like there's, this is something that I believe is going to continue for a long time. And that doesn't even unlock a lot of the kind of larger money managers that have due diligence processes to get these in, input into different model portfolios, into different um, multi-asset strategies, et cetera. Um, so there's much more to come on that. That's just the start of the flows we'll see, I think. For sure. And thank you for that full. That was not a, all right. You want to call it a rant? Fine, but it was a good rant. Um, and so, you know, I, I think logically, at least in my head, the next question would be is, you know, why did the one, the, the spot ETFs that got approved, got approved? You know, I think ARC had one, you mentioned GBTC. So I'm not sure how what you know about that, but if you do, I'd love to hear it. I mean, I think, and I could definitely be wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure they approved all of the, you know, applications that came through that very consistently went back and forth with them and like kind of were in it for the long haul on like taking the feedback that the SEC gave and amending their applications for that. Um, they were definitely very persistent. Again, like over 10 of them. And these are all like not all of these um, asset managers who applied, but most of them are ones that have been trying for this for a very long time. I think about uh, bitwise, I think about Grayscale. This has just been such an ongoing process for a lot of them that I don't think there would be any rhyme or reason to approving some and declining or denying others if they're materially the same. And a lot of them are structured very, very similarly. And when it comes to kind of looking at it from like a user or retail buyer perspective, the only real difference in how most of these are structured, because again, they were given a lot of very clear guidance on what would work and what wouldn't in terms of approval process, um, is price. 
because the asset manager can control the fees that um, are associated with buying the ETF. But even there, we've seen in the ETF world in general, and a Bitcoin ETF will be no different. If that's all that they have to compete on, it's going to be a race to not zero, but very low fees. And they're just going to continue to try to undercut each other. Um, so in terms of why some were, why these were all approved, they're all pretty much the same um, as far as most people are concerned anyways. Maybe there's some nuance in in the tens and dozens of pages of paperwork, but for most, they're all pretty carbon copies. Got it. And for, you know, uh, noobs like me that haven't been studying the, you know, spot uh, ETFs and Bitcoin, you know, on Bitcoin, what what's what's in what's in it? Is it really just a, a straight bet on the Bitcoin itself, or is there are are some of the ETFs have other holdings within that? It's it's literally just Bitcoin that is bought, like spot Bitcoin that is bought on the market. No derivatives okay. involved, no other assets within the ETF. It is quite literally a one trick pony. Um. And it is kind of funny when you think about it's almost like you'd never see um, like a like a Google ETF, right? It's just funny to think about that this is the way that it's going. But um, in terms of making a something that is seemingly complex or not within the typical structure from a regulatory perspective in the States, this was like the cleanest way to give people spot exposure directly to Bitcoin, or at least how people perceived it to be the easiest way understood i mean anything else we're missing here like i mean where do we where do we now go from here you know now that this is all approved i mean do you expect to be there to be many of these spot uh bitcoin etfs now or does this kind of open the door for spot ethereum etf or like something that's you know maybe some of the other more popular coins or a, a solana one i don't know you know I, again i'm the noob here to anybody listening i'm an idiot it's all good. Well, what, I mean, the questions you're asking are like what most people are asking, which are like important ones for sure. I think in terms of like what would be next, I, there have definitely been, and for some reason I'm blanking on whether it's spot or futures, but there have been applications for Ethereum ETFs as well. Um, someone has said like XRP, like Ripple um, ETFs as well, just because they went through a whole debacle with the SEC um, and was deemed not a security. Uh I believe um, in those hearings. So, I mean, I think people will definitely try. I think we're going to be pretty far off for a while in terms of like one ever being approved, um, something different being approved. Um, anything around Bitcoin, I would say, would be fair game in terms of putting applications in. Though I saw a lot of people asking questions that there'd be like a short Bitcoin ETF or like leverage Bitcoin ETF, and would be curious to see people try. Um, I believe the CBOE launched um, options and futures on Bitcoin as well, too. So it's kind of, I think a lot of um, the things that would be more immediate in terms of at least what people would try and probably the most viable for being approved would be around Bitcoin market specifically rather than other assets, just because in some way or another, they have been given a quote unquote, like green light to be put in more traditional markets, um, at least in terms of like the, B the ETF being approved. So I, I don't have a good answer on that. Um, in terms of where I think things go generally, I made like a long rant on this um, the other day. So just like take kind of the main points from that. But um, I think we're going to be seeing really, really substantial inflows for not just like the coming weeks, but months. Because if you think about how 
um, a lot of money managers work and like the due diligence processes and the procedures that they have to go through in terms of changing allocations, getting things, uh, new assets added to model portfolios, to multi-asset strategies. These are not, you know, you don't just get like a quick little sign off and get it done. That's not how these big firms with the majority of the assets work. Um, so I think the initial flows that we saw were the much more like nimble money. Um, I would say, I mean, even working with advisors before, like RIAs, registered investment advisors, can, um, which is different from a broker dealer like a Morgan Stanley, a UBS, like those bigger firms that most people have heard of. Um, RIAs typically can be a little bit more nimble and flexible with how quickly they can move in and out of things, the assets that it can invest in, um, generally speaking. So definitely, if I had to guess, saw some of that money. But I would say a lot of what came in today was um, either retail or Half of it, again, I mentioned like GBTC, which was a Bitcoin trust uh, from Grayscale, converted to an ETF. That was what was approved by the SEC for, for that firm in particular. A lot of that, um, like, again, half the flows that we saw today, roughly, um, at least from initial data, was just coming from that fund being shifted over to an ETF. Um, people that were in GBTC could have paid to, you know, cash out and buy an ETF that was significantly cheaper with fees, but it causes a tax event. So, I, I would assume that a lot of the assets in GBTC were left and converted to ETF without clients moving money to a different ETF in the process. Uh, anyways, um, I think a lot of what we're going to see in more of the coming weeks is like in months. Again, like these processes are much slower than I think people realize. Um, when you get to like an institutional level, um, a lot of, at least even speaking specifically to like financial advisors, which is definitely not the entire market to be sure, but it is a massive one. It's like billions and billions of dollars, even like a 1% allocation of a multi-billion dollar fund going into a Bitcoin ETF is substantial uh, and compound that over all of the different firms across the country that might do that. So the process around there is typically, um, well, first of all, of even getting new assets or new products added to an approved platform that advisors can put their clients' money into takes a while. There are research teams for this. There's due diligence that needs to be done. And then it gets approved, added to the platform. When it's added to the platform, advisors are either running discretionary accounts where they can move client money on their own without having a conversation with clients, or it's one where if you were my client, I would have to go to you understand whether or not it would even be a fit within the plan that you and I worked on together for your long run money management. If it was a fit, we'd have a conversation about it. If you were not down with me putting your money in any capacity, again, would not be like aping in as crypto people call it. It'd be like a small allocation in a broader portfolio because it's very risky. Um, and no quotations on that. It is objectively risky. Um, then I would be able to move your money and allocate some of that into an ETF, but that would involve moving funds around and kind of figuring out the bigger picture. So this is a process. Um, and even getting to that point will take a bit too. And then you think about like institutions that have, um, you know, investment boards that they uh, report to. Those investment committees are seeing the same things that retail traders are seeing. They're seeing the headlines. They're seeing that this was approved. They've definitely asked questions in many cases from those I've talked to about crypto before. Can we get allocated? Is this something that would make sense? Now, this is, again, as I said before, like a much cleaner solution to that. I'm sure a lot of investment committees, when they're having their uh, investment meetings, are going to be coming back asking questions about this, too. Um, hopefully see some more institutional flow into there as well um, as a result of that. But it's always going to be a more gradual process than you think when it comes to all of these like bigger swaths of money. 
because they can't move things around that quickly. They have processes, they have like compliance and all of those, you know, fun things that are there for a reason. So we're going to see money trickling in for a long time. And I think people on the crypto side that maybe aren't coming from that world, which is a lot of people that I talk to, didn't realize the opportunity that this is opening up. And, you know, you still see people having like conflicting opinions. We talked about this a little bit offline of, you know, Bitcoin was supposed to be this thing that people could pivot to because there was a lack of trust in traditional institutions. And now you have traditional institutions kind of having owning a large amount of Bitcoin or allocating to it or having it in a more traditional wrapper. Like it feels like you're going backwards. But if you look at the opportunity that's there, that's going to be like millions and billions of dollars going into this market. Mm -hmm. So it's just such a big opportunity and it's really crossing a chasm of um, this thing that was always over here and people weren't really sure what to do about it, how to get into it um, in a lot of material ways and then bringing it into something that's familiar. So it's it's a really, really big deal. And we're going to be seeing the impacts of it for months and months and months. For sure. And I would say, and I would say like one of my biggest takeaways from producing the decade bounce experience with you was that I mean, that that was like probably the main thing I think every single guest talked about was just, you know, waiting, you know, this waiting game on this Bitcoin ETF, because that's kind of the first springboard into bridging this gap between, you know, the initial adopters with you know trad five traditional finance people that you know we're just kind of looking for something that you know they can get exposure without actually having to you know open up a wallet and do all this stuff and all that kind of how does this affect coinbase do you think i mean that's kind of thing now that i think about it i mean you know now i can probably just go on my any brokerage account buy buy my etf and call it a day and not have to worry about i mean obviously they're still gonna have users from you know people that have bought the coins and own it and have maybe their wallet and stuff like that but uh, full disclosure not a shareholder but I'm, I'm curious how it affects some of these some of the exchanges itself it's funny that you mentioned coinbase specifically because they're one of the biggest winners of all of these bitcoin etfs being approved so doing okay. doing all of their applications um for to etf applications so one of the pieces of feedback as a lot of these firms are going back and forth with the SEC was that they had to name a custodian for the ETF. And what that entails, and I like wrote notes down so I don't ramble on this too much, but um, Coinbase was named custodian for, I could be wrong on it being all of the approved ETFs, but almost all of them, if not. Uh, and the custodian's primary role is to hold and safeguard the ETF assets. So I had a lot of people asking me about this part um, of how it works with, you know, oh, I buy the Bitcoin ETF. Does it actually hold real Bitcoin or is it some sort of like derivative of that? The actual process, at least from my question. Um, big ETF friends who like, you know, the ones that have been leading a lot of the discussion around this in public forums who like know much more about it than I do. Um, it, simplistically, so to create new shares of the ETF, cash is sent to the fund itself. Once the fund receives cash, it will purchase Bitcoin ASAP on the market. Um, so any net flows into a spot ETF are buying spot Bitcoin and net outflows cause a spot Bitcoin sale. Um, so it is much simpler, I think, from that regard than people think it will be. Had some questions on if it would be um, like limit orders or market orders or if there's a specific way to do it. And the real answer on that, I think at least to my knowledge, is that whatever is, you know, whatever gets you best pricing, um, which should make sense for like 
in terms of consumer protections and, you know, all of that. Like, so there aren't really restrictions around the the how or the type of orders that are put in, but it is bought on the market. And Coinbase, even if there aren't people buying spot Bitcoin through them and buying the ETF instead, Coinbase is winning big on this one. Um, and it makes sense why they were chosen as a custodian for a lot of these ETFs, because if you're looking from a regulatory standpoint, Coinbase is a publicly traded company. They have been probably the closest in talks in terms of crypto custodians with the SEC. Um, and as close as you can be at least trying to abide and like have an open conversation with them about um, regulation with crypto moving forward and abiding by the commentary that they're given and being cautious with it um, and protecting consumers and, you know, safeguards and all of that stuff. So. Not entirely surprised that that was the outcome, but I think a lot of people missed that little snippet of information when you're like, oh, no, like maybe the centralized exchanges will get less business. One, this is specific to Bitcoin, um, tons of other markets out there. Two, Coinbase is going to be doing just fine. Fair enough. And by the way, before I, we continue on, just have to ask full disclosure, your shareholder in either Coinbase or any of the ETFs that we talked about, obviously Bitcoin, Bitcoin any of it. I own direct. I don't own the ETF. I don't own Coinbase. I just own Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, and a couple other things that we're definitely not going to talk about. <laughs> Fair enough. So I, so, I mean, you've given us a great overview today. I think, you know, I highly encourage everybody to go and follow Caitlin. She does such a, an amazing job covering the, the whole space. And, you know, even while she's working specifically with Hero Network, I think she does probably one of the best jobs in covering the space just in general to help folks, you know, on onboard them into uh into crypto but final final question for you today before i let you go i mean is this now is this it is this the validation that crypto the whole crypto community has been pining for waiting for or is there still more that would help oh boy i mean there's definitely got to be more i mean this is a huge start though right I mean, it definitely feels like a turning point um to some extent but i think the space definitely has like a lot to prove uh specifically in the U.S., I mean, there's a long way to go in terms of like concrete regulatory oversight. And, you know, is it are a lot of these token securities, not securities, um, is staking like an activity that can be done? Like, I mean, they, they've been doing a lot of regulation by enforcement. So which, you know, is is better than absolutely nothing. But I think in terms of like a broader framework, there's still a lot of work to be done. But this is definitely a really good step forward. Uh, and it definitely feels like some validation too. Like for all of the people who said that this was like imag an imaginary internet coin was going to go to zero. It's not to say that it won't, but it's definitely, you know, these are the regulators that are supposed to be protecting consumers. And if it was a significant threat to the end consumer to, an, to a certain point, this is something that wouldn't be approved. Um, and whether you like it or not, Think about all a whole bunch of different projects or assets and asset classes and things that you might not like or think that have like a very bright future, but there's still products on the market that are giving consumers the choice to decide for themselves. So this is a good step forward for sure, but definitely not the last of the conversations that need to be had. I'd say more so the start. Very cool. I'm right. pumped. I, I, I can see it. I was, I was going to say, I, I can see it, you know, like, listen, 2020, 2023 was a rough year for, I mean, end of 20, I mean, actually, honestly, the it last was a, two years, whole year, it was a whole last, year. <laughs> yeah, it was like the last two years were rough. I mean, you know, it, it's, it was just crazy. So 
I'm so stoked for the industry. I think it's fascinating. You know, we're definitely going to be continue, you know, watching closely and seeing how this all develops. I'm very curious how it affects now the uh, on the public market side. Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of miners, um, especially on the microcap side. So we'll see how yeah. how it affects all that. Um, if more money is going to be pumped into those companies in order to generate create more or find more Bitcoin or, or mine it, but I'm sorry, mine it. It's been a while. Okay. I'm sorry. It's been like six no, months. No, you're good. You're good. You still <laughs> so got it. <laughs> I'm, I'm still, I'm, you know, the young whippersnapper here. Um, but anyways, Kaylin, with that, where can our audience go and find more information to follow you and get all the updates and uh, hear your insights? Yeah. Uh, just Twitter at dead Kate bounce, Kate C A I T. Uh, I'm terminally on there. So that's probably the best place to find me terminally jeez oh my goodness <laughs> well always appreciate you caitlin thank you so much good luck stay safe look forward to our next update thanks bobby thank you this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities snn network snn inc and the planet microcap podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers broker dealers market makers investment bankers investment advisors analysts or underwriters we do not recommend any companies discussed we may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value we recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor broker or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast podcast.